This is Audio Gyan and I am your host Kedar Nimkar. Welcome to a deep dive into the minds of luminaries from the Indian creative world. Welcome to a brand new series of Audio Gyan where are the designers? It's a 12 part series featuring few of the top influential design leaders in India. talking about their process of hiring challenges in finding and retaining talent and some tips for young designers to make a cut i'm so happy and proud to announce my co-host for this series abhinit tiwari he works at gojek hey abhinit hey kedar how's it going good good man it's uh, crazy times and i'm quite enjoying the kind of conversations we are having with these designers at least my hiring skills have improved to a certain extent uh, no i know my my conversation skills have improved a lot <laughs> in the last yeah, yeah. 10 conversations also awesome. saw the launch page for jupiter it's shaping up well huh yes yes thanks yeah yeah it's been a crazy ride my first uh, experience with a startup so let's see how it shapes <laughs> who do we have today we have uh, vandana abraham with us on audio gan today she is uh, currently heading the design at atlassian uh, previously she worked at 247.ai cisco uh uni mobile so i'm excited because uh, like we have like first time a designer who has more than around 20 years of experience uh, in this space she comes from like a more organized setup than the hustling and the chaotic uh, world of startups and and uh, yeah mid mid size companies so yeah a lot to learn and discover vandana studied at nid and uh, yeah thank you vandana for giving your time it's a real real pleasure to have you on audio gan hey kedar abhinet Hello. Hi, thanks for having me on Audio Can. Yes. I've been following some of the really interesting interviews that are happening so far. So, looking forward to talk about a topic that's uh, been troubling us for quite a few years and close to our hearts. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool, but uh, we have a small surprise uh, round which is like a rapid fire round. <laughs> uh, we intentionally don't share those questions beforehand so that it's it's just sort of a warm up. So, we'll start with that. Let's go. Okay. So, what do you look in a designer? Aptitude or attitude? I'd have to say both. Both are kind of equally important. If you get great, uh, great skills and uh, an equally great ego, then sometimes that that doesn't really work. So, you want to make sure that you've got the right balance okay. of an ability to do and why you want to do. Super. Uh, your favorite uh, book on design? Um, design for the real world, Victor Papanek's. Okay. Your favorite design quote? Uh, design dissolves in behavior. Wow! That was a mind-changing one for me when when I realized design doesn't stay const constant. Hmm. It changes as people use it. So for me, yeah, great, great. I think it comes from uh, NID background because uh, I I interviewed Balakrishna Doshi, and he said the same thing. It was like really inspiring. <laughs> Favorite designer outside India or in India? Uh, anyone? Oh wow, that's a tough one. That uh, okay, the most recent one that's coming straight because I just saw his documentary was Dieter Rams. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you know, I think there are just so many great designers. It's it's just which day of the week you're going to be asking me that question. <laughs> <laughs> great. Best learning you had from NID? To keep learning, to unlearn what you've learned. and learn how to learn again i think that's what helped me move uh, 
I don't know if you're aware that I started my career as a textile designer Mm -hmm. and then I moved into a completely different space. And I did start, uh, my first few stints were with startups and then with mid companies and then with larger enterprises. So I've just found that I, the new things that keep happening in technology in the world, it's just fascinating. Awesome. Now, these ones are pretty quick. Favorite font, Serif and oh. Sensorif. <laughs> Where's Jadeep when you need him? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not uh, a font f- fanatic. I, I, so, I will actually rephrase because last time uh, Abhinit corrected me. Favorite typeface um, rather than font. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's one that uh, Jadeep shared recently, which I thought was quite lovely. Voyage. So okay. it's quite a lovely, seductive one. I hadn't mm-hmm. come across it before. I'm going to try right. that out. Favorite color? I, I I hate to ask this, but I'm just this question fill up. Kar <laughs> I was going to say, which shade of blue, huh? Yeah. Nay. Uh, I like yellow. Okay. I like great. it because it's so sunny. Great. Uh, your favorite app? Oh, the one that I'm using. Favorite app. Right now, my favorite app, uh, which I actually enjoy using a lot, is called Lose It. It's a calorie tracker, which I'm being very particular with since... Um, I'm having high blood pressure, so I have to sort of monitor my diet. But I actually enjoy using that app. So Pencil and paper or something digital to take notes? Pencil and paper. Reams and reams of books with notes. But actually, functionally speaking, uh, I find that the ones that I capture on on the digital interface are what uh, endures with me. I keep referencing that again. The ones I write in pencil and paper, it's... It's difficult to go back and, you know, extract it and make use of it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Old In habit. fact, yeah. I mean, the reason why I asked is because um, I was just uh, talking to one friend of mine and uh, like they were just taking notes on pen and paper as in like with uh, mm-hmm. like uh, analog way. And I said, hey, like these days I've started thinking on notepad also. Like <laughs> it's it, it's so like after like 10, 15 years of like, Constant uh, uh, usage, I think, it changes patterns. Yeah. I actually started using the uh, pencil, Apple Pencil, mm. and sketch noting. Yep. And I find that that works better than notes because I'm able to take my thoughts and make a structure and, and kind of give it relationships and context, which I can't do just with words. Yeah, um, true, true. And it's better than pen Infinite and canvas. Yes, mm. absolutely. So. Cool. Last one. Uh, like we can see some sewing machine type in the background. Ah, what what is it? And loom or something? Yeah, that's a loom. That's a small sample loom. Okay. Which uh, which is a remnant from my past, and maybe it's part of my future. So wow, I like uh, I like actually doing some physical craft and creation with my hands. So that's there. Okay, great, great. I remember uh, the second last or the third last uh, of. The last season was with Sujata Keshavan and uh, she has moved yeah. from NID and she's moved from like digital and advertising world to now handloom. So, and at, yeah. I think at the age of 45, 50 plus. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even Devika, uh, Devika Krishnan yes. went into looms also recently from ceramics. And- the lure of making something with your hand never goes away, right? Never. And the other thing that's actually stacked up at the back is Lego because I just love the 
the concept of these infinitely reusable units mm. that you can keep taking apart and then putting back together. So great, great. That's another passion. Mm. Awesome. I think yeah, that's that were few of the questions for the rapid fire round. I know it it uh, it's not like greatly hosted like a professional uh, host ki fatafat fatafat question kar rahe waisa nahi hai but yeah whatever <laughs> this is great now i think this is very comfortable and great yeah uh, sometimes it's too too formal means ki maza nahi aata ha you have to like yeah like it's uncomfortable taking pauses and thinking when people go too fast no and uh, my first hire was uh, a designer jaydeep sikdar i wonder if jaydeep's going to be listening he's uh, he's still in the design space he's a senior design leader himself now it was my first stint as manager for uh, marketing community for a brand i think i, I was leading brand marcom and brand mm-hmm. design at that time and things uh, 18 years ago things were very different to hiring today Sure. right you you put an ad in the paper said you're hiring for multiple different positions and then you just started meeting all the people who came into your office and uh having conversations with them there were no panels there was uh you op- i mean i operated a lot on the kind of work that we wanted to do which was print publication and design for it mm-hmm. i met this guy who and he was the third person i met he'd got some experience working in the middle east and uh, it was a higher call after that first interview that was it <laughs> it was like come on board and he could join which was the other amazing thing he could join in 3 weeks i believe so i'm just trying to think when was the last time i had someone join in 3 weeks it was definitely not in india sure <laughs> and what was the reason to put it in an ad because it was a publication or it was uh, there was no internet see <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good question i uh, 18 years ago there was internet but i think it wasn't quite as widespread for the audience we wanted and we were looking to hire across the entire breadth of uh, our business mm-hmm. so we taken out a half page ad in in all the new- newspapers I remember the ad as well it was like slices of oranges it was called think fresh and if you were thinking of uh, a new kind of business to join uh, then you wanted to come and join this company this startup great great and yeah i recently uh, ran into a candidate who actually brought in a physical portfolio right i i, oh. I don't think i have seen that in a really long time right yeah but so i'd just like to tie into that and ask you like how how have things changed in 
in a mm. sense that you know in, in a way that candidates uh, you know pitch themselves or you know show their portfolios any one thing that stands out the most yeah, yeah absolutely i agree that the uh, till you said it i hadn't realized how much but yes candidates would bring in resumes and portfolios physically and show you the work because it was print mm-hmm. uh, and their work existed in that kind of medium uh, the other thing that would happen is just the volume of applications that you get nowadays mm. it's just so vast just the the ability to process it and the number of um i think that funneling down to being able to decide who you want to speak it's mm-hmm. i don't think we've cracked that yet in a in a really good way and i believe there's a lot of opportunity there because we may be the system may be focused on things like what kind of design school did you go to what kind of um, how how well did you do academically and i don't believe those are all necessarily good indicators of being a good designer it may be just some of the systems or processes that spit out structured designers mm-hmm. but there is a large talent pool of good thinkers who otherwise and that's one of the things that we're thinking through how do we better tap into that makes sense also there was one the first question i think in rapid fire was what do you look for aptitude and attitude and you said a bit of both right recently i was on twitter and i was seeing somebody say that interviews are basically a vibe check <laughs> right and people kind of try to make interviews into you know people think that they're objective mm. they kind of come up with structures and practices and processes to eliminate bias as much as possible but is that really possible has yeah. your views on this changed over the time like yeah. for you is it like good conversation means good candidate or what do you look for i did that classic mistake right i was the only one who was hiring sure. so i did all the interviews i it was my gut that said i should take everybody and for for many years it worked but it's it's not scalable mm-hmm. it uh, it eventually gets to the point where you're looking at bringing a lot of people that you personally cannot interview everyone and then you make bad decisions right you you liked the conversation that you had with somebody but then after they joined you know the work wasn't exactly or or the person related to you didn't necessarily get on with the rest of the team that they were working with so those are things that definitely make it clear that it can't be just one person's choice it's a, it's not a one person company mm-hmm. so we needed to have a panel and that's when we started structuring and this was about 12 12 years 12 or 15 years ago mm-hmm. uh when we started looking at having a group of people do the interviews and being able to have a debrief which gave you different perspectives of course we initially you know fumbled through that everybody was doing the asking the same questions in each interview so the poor candidate was like i'm saying the same thing again and again and again yep. and then then you get more formalized and say okay your panel is looking at these different aspects and in the debrief you come back and say here's what each of us had to hear about so yeah. i think that that way um, it's healthy to have different perspectives Mm-hmm. I found um, most recently in the hiring that we do here in Atlassian there's a very healthy way of looking at what the candidate brings as strengths in their experience but also areas where they potentially would need to grow a little bit more 
And the hiring managers provided all of that perspective so that they know, hey, this is additional investment that I need to make. Mm. But there's here's what the strengths that they bring in. So, you know, can I trade that off? Yep. So you take a much more informed decision about who you want to hire. Mm, interesting. I think that's evolved. But it's time consuming. It is. It does. It takes It takes a village to bring someone into your team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true, true. In fact, yesterday I was uh, interviewing uh, one mid-career uh, product manager. Mm. And uh, I think uh, he had given interviews uh, or he must be giving interviews for the last two weeks back to back, I think. He was just anticipating my questions and is this okay? Can I take two minutes? And like, it was just like, I, I was just on the other side saying, yes, okay, go ahead. <laughs> Nothing more like uh, And yeah. in fact, yeah, in fact, uh, he was also saying that this is the question you would like to ask me, correct? Yeah, you see a lot of folk post it online, right? On Quora or anything. If you're applying at this company, here are all the questions you need to, you know, be yeah. familiar with. If you're applying here, these are the questions they'll ask. Yeah, yeah. yeah. cool. So, uh, Vandana, how has it changed for you? Because you said you joined, like you started with... Um, uh, like a startup and now at Atlassian. Mm. So uh, even in Cisco. So can you uh, share some processes or or some insights from where you worked about how these operate in a bigger setup? Uh, I mean, mm. who is there a HR manager? Is it uh, is it there a recruiter? Like how does the process overall work uh, in a bigger setup? Mm. And and if you can also highlight uh, the pros and cons of uh, both. I mean, there are certain places where you really have to hire fast uh, and take a decision faster. But sometimes it takes like a very important position. You need to mm. really take informed decisions. So what are the trade-offs there? Okay, there's, there are a few questions in that um... And I'm going to sort of address it in, in different places. Yeah. One is the process that we currently have. So just talking about, you know, the amount of time, the number of different groups that get involved in in hiring um, for a particular position. It's, um, there are typically, uh, for instance, in companies like, like Netlassian and, and Intuit and um, so Cisco, and I'm going to digress a little bit. Uh, my experience with Cisco is actually because the companies I worked in got acquired by Cisco. Mm. So I was working with startups and they got acquired by Cisco. So I haven't actually worked as a Cisco badged employee. Okay. All right. Just clarity. Yeah. So there's, there's typically a recruiter who's responsible for every uh, specific position that's being hired for. And that recruiter is uh, going to receive all of the I mean, that recruiter posts the position wherever, uh, you know, all the online systems and uh, whatever other campaigns and all applications eventually route in and get screened by that recruiter. So then the process includes, uh, and now the recruiter does that in conjunction with the hiring manager. So the hiring, prior to having posted the position, the recruiter and the hiring manager would have said, this is the role that we're hiring for. This is the business need. This is what we expect to do. And one of the differences between, uh, you know, what I've seen when we were hiring in earlier in my career, more of the startup scrappy thing is we're looking at somebody in that position right now. What I see in the larger organizations is we think ahead. We think a year, we think two years ahead. 
and we say, here's the growth potential. Uh, here's where the career trajectory of this role is going to go, at least one to two years ahead. So we're very clear that the you know whoever we're bringing in into that particular position is going to be able to is going to need to do these things over a period of time. So that gives you a, a more of a sense of the potential that you're looking for. Whereas in in the startups, we were looking at what capabilities you have right now to be able to hit the ground running. I think that's that's one difference that I've noticed. Mm. Not that the business doesn't have needs right now, mm. but then we look at balancing that out through things like either contract work. So we have someone come in for a short period of time to do a particular project. Being a global company, we're also able to move work to teams in other locations. So we have some flexibility there. If we not, if we don't get exactly the right attitude, aptitude, uh, and value fit that we're looking for, uh, we look at how the work can get done in other means. But we don't look at, you know, taking a call on someone who's not meeting those requirements that we have. Okay. Right. So then coming back to the process, yeah, you do the screening. Then we have a panel, which is uh, first there's a Hiring discussion, I mean, with the hiring manager, there's an initial screen. So then the manager looks on, looks into, in the discussion, understands what's the general cultural uh, nuances that the person would be bringing in, what kind of experience they bring in. And then you have three to four different discussions, which include a portfolio deep dive. There'll be a design exercise. There's, uh, they meet with cross-functional peers mm -hmm. they'd be working with. And then you get the uh, debrief after that. Do you want me to dig into any of the specifics of these? You can go deeper. I think this is broad enough. We'll get into <laughs> depth yeah. later in the conversation <laughs> anyways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. And um, second part of the question was like, any trade-offs you have seen uh, in this much more organized way? I mean, I'm, I'm sure there yeah. must be something. Yeah. So, so one of the things that does happen is... Uh, Time, it takes its time. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at, uh, you know, some work or project or something that needs to move ahead in the next one or two months, then that's not going to happen with this hire, with the position that you've got open right now. So you're going to have to look for other options to be able to get the work done. Mm -hmm. The second one is sometimes it doesn't happen in those two months. It will go beyond a quarter as well, especially for some of the senior positions, I think. Both of you all are well aware that mid to senior level talent pool is really small. So yeah. it takes us a long time to hire, yeah. uh, to fill those positions. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to sneak in, same question that Kedar had asked from a slightly different perspective. Hmm. I talk to a lot of young designers and I see a lot of them have this question that I'm just at the start of my career and should I decide to you know, go for a startup? Should I decide to go for a bigger company? Hmm. Right. And there's a lot of advice floating around also. <laughs> right. You know, so what is a young designer's trade-off in your opinion? Like um, if there is one. It's actually fascinating. Same question, neighbor of mine. Mm -hmm. Nowadays you meet a lot of kids who are studying design. Yes. So I get to have that conversation very often. The trade-off there, I think, that is for them is do I follow the cause that I want to work with? Or should I work with a bigger company and hone my skills before I do that? 
So that's that's a slightly different nuance to what you just said. Sure. In all of those cases, in all those questions, what I've believed is that in the beginning of your career, you have to practice and get your skills mm-hmm. actually honed. Sure. There is, I think that building that muscle memory, getting the right muscles to be working is actually the first thing that you need to develop. Mm. How you choose to use your muscles after that is, is your choice. But if you, leave, if you do it the other way, yeah. then you, are, you know, the skill muscle of design, whichever is the area you want to specialize in, it's much more difficult to learn that later. Sure. Mm. So I always usually say at least, at least those first few years in your career that you're going to build some skills, those are the skills you're going to remember 10, 15 years later. So, Yeah, that's fascinating because kind of makes me think of how in our schools, we always sort of resent why we are being taught all these things huh. at the same time. And we get told that, hey, you have to study all these things so that you know that these are the ones that you hate and these yeah. are the ones where you're strong at. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. Makes, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Kedar, do you have a follow-up? No, actually, uh, before you jump into the (laughs) skills question, I have one like very, I don't know whether the question has any sense, but in like larger organizations, typically engineers are hired and also there's a concept called as bench. Mm. Right? You you are, you like TCS and a lot of other places (laughs) have them, right? Uh, Do Mm. you think... um, designers will ever have bench uh, kind of a model because of the scarcity or does it happen uh, because of your hiring practices? Uh, mm. It's okay. I need to think a little bit about this one. Okay. So there's few, few thoughts that are sort of roaming around in my head with this. One is that the, the concept of the bench, right. Mm. Is done when the, so a lot of services organizations that we speak about mm-hmm. that run a bench is because they have a project today. They may not have a project tomorrow, but the project can come day after. And that's money that they'll not be able to accept if they don't mm-hmm. have people to fill it. So the business requires a workforce to be available. So they're willing, you know, you can balance your cost there. Mm-hmm between saying I'm going to invest in bench and then it becomes a question of are design services in high demand, in which case then there's a rational for me to keep designers on bench and available because it, I'll always be able to a, charge a premium. I always know that work would be available. Mm. But if you look at other organizations that don't work in that kind of a model, when you're investing in your own R&D, then uh, you're, you're constantly looking at saying, hey, I'm going to invest this amount of money to be able to build or address this kind of a problem and I need these many people. So there isn't a concept of a bench there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely actually missed that part, service versus product. I'm just too <laughs> yeah. much into the problem, I think. <laughs> so before we jump next, uh, let's take a quick break. And welcome back to the show. So I want to touch on something you said, Vandana, which was how difficult it can be sometimes to find talent in the mid to senior range, right? So on that note, like, uh, first, like, what are some of the things, you know, top two, three things that you find yourself looking for in designer these days? 
and what is your success rate mm. and if you don't find these uh, qualities very often or you find them hard then who do you hold accountable for that sort of right like why, why are we in this position wow that last question is going to be a, a philosophical one that we will all have to debate that's what i'm going uh, for <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's um, what what do i look for in uh, medium to senior designers okay so one of the things that um, we look at when we bring in senior design leaders is we look at bringing in that experience into your organization mm-hmm. and being an accelerant for the team that you already have so that everybody grows with that experience that's coming mm-hmm. so you're always looking at adding in more strength to the strength that you already have but it has to be a different perspective mm-hmm. so that you know the the team that you've already got actually keeps growing more if you bring in more of the same right your perspectives become uh, slightly one view mm-hmm. i'm a mm-hmm. big believer that the more different perspectives you have the better the work gets sure right so for me already we don't um, in 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 india itself we haven't had design schools as long as we've had engineering schools so if you look at just in terms of number of years of experience that senior design leaders have in india that's a very small pool of people who are either trained or worked in that space for a you know over 15 20 years amount of time and each of them and there is that much more business possible today so there's definitely a shortage of that kind of talent in that space mm-hmm. and for uh, designers who who've had that many years of experience they've also figured out what it is that they want to do in their life and they're pretty much either already doing it and living it or if they want to make a change there's there's definitely a lot of options that they can pick from so i'd say it's actually more about a design leaders uh, market right now than for people who are trying to get them sure no it also speaks touches a little bit on uh, where do i think the problem is i believe um, i don't believe we'll have quite the same problem in another 20 years mm-hmm. because i think we have a lot more design awareness we have a lot more just just the access to design and good design that people have in in things that they see right in applications in products in schools all of that is definitely much more prevalent and much more widespread than it was 20 years ago so i i believe that in the next 20 years there is going to be a lot more talent available i think it might be a point in time that we are facing this problem mm-hmm. sure i i do find it very interesting these days and sometimes i'm scared as well when i see some of the numbers floating around how many designers we need and we will need somebody says 10000 designers a year somebody says 20000 designers a year so Yeah, thanks for the glass <laughs> half full perspective. <laughs> I actually did the modeling for that. Morning. I think there was uh, there was something like 300 designers a year uh formally trained designers graduating were between 3 to 500 a year about 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh just 300? Okay. Yeah, just just that many 3 400 uh, and and if you look at the number of them who continued on to work in India versus who left the country and worked outside 
Mm-hmm. There was there was a substantial amount of brain drain also that happened then. Mm-hmm. Today, if you look at the numbers, I think uh, twenty seven thousand diff- uh, designers graduate across different design schools across India. Sure, it's a much larger number. Uh, but when you compare that to, I think what is it, thirty thousand engineering colleges mm-hmm. in India, and multiply that with number of students graduating from there, mm-hmm. I, I think the ratio is still not quite the same, sure. but uh, there's definitely more of a demand and acceptance of it as a career option, as a viable career option for people to choose. So, for sure. And uh, the other thing, sorry, Kedar, I'm going to take a bit of a tangent here. Please, please. <laughs> Vandana touched on something I have to ask her. So, uh, you were talking about how important it is to have different perspectives, right? Like in a design team. Um, yeah. So I have to ask, like, uh, what change have you seen in organizations and design in particular with regards to diversity? Do you find that, you know, teams are more diverse now than they used to be? Is there anything specific you, where you're currently, you do there or anywhere you've been in the past to kind of promote, consciously promote a more diverse? Um, uh, yeah. So one of the things, and first of all, let me speak about choices that I made when I was moving from company to company. Would love to hear, yeah. I I wouldn't be very comfortable joining a company which had maybe an all-male management team. Mm -hmm. Because um, my question was, why isn't that focus actually, why isn't that shift happening? And it's, if the company didn't have uh, either a plan or an action plan to address that, if they weren't actively working towards it, then it was not important to them that there was diverse opinions in, you know, right in the management level. Sure. So for me, you know, that was a choice I was making when I was interviewing uh, or looking to join any other company, apart from, you know, what is the vision? How how do they actually manage things? It's just the environment that I'd be working in. What what was that going to be like? So I believe it's a very important decision when people mm-hmm. choose to come to work in an environment that they see, if not just people like themselves, but they see a variety of other different people there to tell them that there is also a place for them. I think that's really, really important. Sure. So as much as possible, we push And that's something we've been doing. I think most of the companies nowadays you see doing that, uh, Atlassian in particular, pushes very strongly to ensure that you have diversity of um, race, of gender, of uh, orientation, on whatever axes that people choose to differentiate themselves, that they are able to see someone like them in the company, constantly being represented at all levels of the organization and having a voice. So I think that that becomes really important. And interestingly, a lot of our policies and processes have also shifted to remove bias in the system. Mm -hmm. So, you know, small things like appraisal, your review process, right? Your annual performance review. The typical one is, you know, you write your own review and then you give it to your manager and then the manager looks at it and then puts the comments and that's it. So Atlassian, to remove that bias, they had the system which said the manager does a review at the same time and the individual does a review at the same time. And then they look at each other's reviews. 
Mm-hmm. Because uh, there shouldn't be any bias in what's being done. It shouldn't be recency or anything. You're giving feedback regularly like this. Yep. And if there is a disconnect, then that is a flag that your manager and the report are not in sync on uh, on the feedback. Sure. So I think a lot of those processes are looking at systematically weeding out biases that could be, you know, preventing uh, people being treated equally, regardless where they come from. Very interesting. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it isn't enough to just say, hey, let's bring in people from all kinds of backgrounds into your company. Mm-hmm. If you don't have an environment which will accept them yep. and let them be themselves, they're not going to stay. Nobody's going to stay. Yep. Mm-hmm. If anything, that might make the situation worse. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so... A good small one is, yeah, just ask everyone in your company, can you be yourself at work? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you your whole self? Are you bringing your whole self here? Mm-hmm. Or are you trying to fit into some image that the business wants you to fit into? Mm-hmm. And and this is uh, specifically for design or you're talking across the board? This is across um, the board. Mm-hmm. Do you think in any way it's more important for design? See, it's important, baseline important for sure. Mm. Anything about the profession which makes it more important? So, while we were studying in college, we used to question every rule that came. And, and, you know, as college students, your your mantra is key. If we are cloistered and if we are, you know, uh, if you're given rules and guide, you know things to work inside, then how can we be creative? How can we be free? How can we, you know, think of the best things? Design thinks best in its in constraints. Okay, let's let's accept it. Yep. It actually really really comes to its fore when you have constraints. So I think that voila, nature. No, it's art without um, constraints. Right? <laughs> well, that's a whole different debate, right? <laughs> so um, in in terms of um, of saying should should designers be be treated differently from anybody else? I actually believe that everybody is going to, is creative and solving problems in their own spaces. Mm-hmm. So uh, designers are people who have an understanding of all of those different materials and how they work, and is able to take so many different dimensions and analyze them together. But you know, are we are we fooling ourselves and thinking that? Only we can do this. That architects don't do this. I, yeah. I, I disagree. I believe that you know every every practice, everything has that breadth of problem that they're looking at solving. So everybody needs to be able to think in that way and have that space to do it. And tell me, where are your best ideas? Where did they come from? Did they come from other designers when you were working with them, or did it come from PM that you were talking to, or or some uh, architect that you were speaking to, or just you know even yeah. your junior software dev who was saying, you know, did you know this could be done? And you're like, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, the most exciting ones come from different professions, right? yeah. like civil engineering, architecture, music. Kedar yeah. keeps talking about parallels between music and design all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I want to circle back uh, to the question about the qualities or actually it's in the middle of qualities in a designer and the scarcity of uh, senior designers. Uh, and I personally have like a 
myth which you can mm-hmm. bust right now is that at these sort of established places enterprises or or mnc's is there a requirement for like a leader or a senior or, or principal designer to be individual contributor yeah actually that's an interesting direction that we haven't covered before here hmm. the path of being an individual contributor where your entire focus and purpose is in solving that problem for our customers or our users right mm-hmm. is is one that i believe needs that full focus and that is not the path of a design manager yeah okay whereas in a lot of places they do get conflated together in the in the perspective that as you get more senior you both manage the team and you achieve that outcome mm. so you see that um, i i don't believe there's one right or wrong to it i think uh, the business constraints may actually force one model of organization versus another yep. mm. right but but mm. designer by nature huh. they feel like getting their hands dirty right yes so yeah. so that's that's the reason why i was asking ki like are there a set of people who just wants to be design manager or or the aspirations is to hmm it's it's like harsha bogle uh, like talking excellent about cricket hmm. having never uh, been on the cricket so any any insights there those sort of people yeah i'm i can speak for myself which is you know sometimes i keep i keep saying right i want to do something with my hands but i'm not doing it i haven't been doing this for the last 20 years so why am i doing what i do today I actually like to solve the problem within an organization mm-hmm. that makes it more effective. Mm-hmm. Right? It's you're looking yeah. at solving the problem of people. Or well not the problem of people but you're looking at how do people become uh more effective at solving that problem. So maybe it's a factor of an area where the medium that I work with are actually with processes and people mm-hmm. and helping structure teams and making clear what is the problem space and doing the analysis there and that's that's how i work with design and actually then the teams being able to go and do the design solving themselves is uh, works for me and i think it's a personal motivation for individual people for some it's actually being able to solve that problem you know to to just get into it and solve it yourself for some it's seeing people getting unblocked which is the thrill mm. i think ha- brilliant brilliant yeah no no brilliant brilliant it, it is a great um, perspective to look at like finally you are solving problems it's just that the scale is different the the type of mm. problem is different the yeah, yeah brilliant brilliant and we've had people who've uh, moved from one area to the other right because you don't know how you like to solve problems if you haven't tried it so yep. try it try try the path of you know helping people get unblocked and maybe if that doesn't work for you or maybe you know you feel that that's not an area you want to continue then move back to the other but then you know do that within the first few years after 10 years you pretty much become an expert in one in that other way so yeah shifting i think i've, I've been huh? yeah i've been trying to do that and the biggest problem for me is letting go of certain things and and like maybe we can take that as a philosophical <laughs> uh, discussion uh, sometime later but yeah it's it's tough at the early time you want to have that finish you 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 just envision that pixel perfection mm. uh, in all aspects because you did that yeah. uh, to a certain extent and then just letting go of certain 
landing pages uh, <laughs> yeah. is yeah that's a, <laughs> this you know, is yeah that's a tough Sorry, one yeah that's a tough one that you you know a choice that you have to make is and at different points in my life i've treated the same problem in a different way so one is where you say i know the answer to that and my you know i know how that thing should be solved but my team is not actually seeing that so should i tell them how to do it or should i let them you know try and figure it out themselves so at at one stage i would have said hey this is here's where the problem space is but let the team figure it out few years later i was like but why you know is that the right way to teach them and is it good for the business if you just let them struggle and we we take that much longer to solve the problem so then share what your experience and expertise has shown but to do it in a way where it's not directive mm. and as, as one someone had told me don't hold the pencil in your team's hand and draw with it <laughs> you have to let them draw it whatever it is but how do you help them see through your experience i think that's the art of design management mm. interesting and kedar this is the problem of all the people in any craft the number yeah. of senior engineers i have had conversations with where they are reminiscing about the days that they used to roll their sleeves up and code yeah. right like it's been like it's everywhere <laughs> like mm-hmm. i think every crafts person rues the day that they let go of you know mm-hmm. hands on stuff but at the same time i think mm-hmm. a lot of people realize what vandana just said Mm. i think it will be exciting to let go if uh, i think it's it's about the environment also right uh, where you are are you are yeah. you pushed with like mm. more exciting problems and and more yeah. challenging problems then you can let go of certain things yeah. if the problems are small and solvable quickly so yeah. you you really can't let go yeah. it's also the nature of uh, you know of everything else if you join a company and you're the you're only one of seven people in that company you're the only designer it doesn't matter whether you got 25 years of experience whatever you got to you got to just do the shit you got to do the work yeah? Yeah, yeah and then you build up the team and you get more folks joining and then you get them to start doing things mm-hmm. and taking up you know picking up the pieces that they'll own and yeah yeah speaking about mentoring uh like what has been your experience with uh, interns uh, or mm. internship in general i mean mm. i'm sure for you it would be like a distant relationship because of the hierarchy or uh, of the nature of layers in between mm. but anything which you want to share because like i've seen like interns also reaching out more towards the b2c mm. companies and and just trying to two three months gig uh, in fact they are testing whether the company is fit for them or yeah. not <laughs> yeah so is there any any uh, insight there so um in atlassian we we've, we've just been in india now for for 3 years i think we've not even completed 3 years yet so we've uh, we've not taken in interns we'll be taking them in from next year mm-hmm. uh but in my previous primarily because it takes a lot of investment to bring in interns yeah. to to ensure that yeah interns get the right experience and your uh, you kind of setting those um, you're sowing those right seeds because that's then they're going to get into the grad stage and then they're going to join uh, as a full-time employee 
you really you really want to make your investments properly. And previous organizations, previous companies, interns have been absolutely invaluable for us because they bring in actually such energy and such a such an amount of fresh thinking. You're completely new, completely uh, untainted, unbiased, very uh, very idealistic, right? Sure. And and they're very you know they want to change the world, which also grads want to do, which is great. How do we make sure that that gets channeled, that energy gets channeled in the right, on the right problems and not giving them the small problems. We give them the really big problems, the ones that you don't know how to solve. Because they come up with such amazing ideas. So we take our, we take interns from multiple functions together and then, you know, have them work like a hackathon and work on things. And they come up with some of the best, best ideas. So I'm very bullish about interns. Yeah, the outsider's perspective sometimes mm, these amazing yeah. things, right? They don't yeah. know what the constraints are. Exactly. They don't know that they'll come and mm. do. So when you were saying idealistic, I was thinking of another word which is going to piss off certain interns, <laughs> which is unrealistic. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, come on, Kedar. When you, were, when you were 18 and 19. Yeah, yeah obviously. Yeah. <laughs> You have to be unrealistic. You can't change the world being realistic. Quite frankly, like, mm. like just let's get clear about that. How many mm. of us are realistic? When were you realistic in your last gig, in your last project? Were you being realistic or were you just being idealistic? Yeah, idealistic. Uh-huh. You have to yeah, do that. that's, that's a classic debate between like a engineer and designer or engineer and okay. a PM, uh, like a designer and a PM. Yeah. One of the things I used to tell my teams earlier if you're, you've chosen design, you're going to be unhappy, right? Because you always are thinking of how much better things could be. And you're looking at what things are today and you'll always see that gap. So just accept that you will live this thing that you've chosen, this path that you've chosen in design is going to constantly have you looking at the stars and you know thinking, it should be like that. And today it's not like that. And we have to keep making things better. Yeah. I, I don't remember the uh, person who wrote this line. Like Leo Tolstoy. I, I don't remember exactly. But the line was, um, what if she says no? Um, and what if what she, she says, says yes? Yes. yes. <laughs> so, yeah. The yes has yeah. like all the dreams in it. <laughs> like I have to make a conscious effort to you know every time I've gotten feedback that every time you open your mouth it's a customer problem yes it's like are there no customer successes I have to make a (laughs) conscious effort to find some of those uh, to kind of keep things balanced makes a lot of sense hey let's take a short break here And we are back. I want to ask uh, a different question. You also mentioned it briefly, right? Like that you're working on making the organization itself efficient. I was talking to a friend some time back and we were discussing that, hey, if there are two companies and they keep making their product more efficient, over a longer term, it will be the efficiency of the organization itself, which becomes the differentiator. So why I'm asking this is like for designers, a lot of designers these days, right? Software design is the thing, right? Which most of us do. 
but what are some of the other areas of impact, right, which designers can own within organizations that you see coming up? Because fine, we do mm-hmm. interfaces, we do mm-hmm. all of those skills. But wow. in the medium of people and processes, as you very well put it. Okay, yeah. So, um, I don't know if you've run any uh, podcasts before, if you'll have covered service design as a practice, mm, as, as that much. area, right? Yeah, yeah. Actually not, mm-hmm. I'll do yeah. that. I think that touches on uh, the point that Abhinit was talking about, which is as you look at solving the customer experience problem and you look at what that journey looks like, a lot of those pain points are created by inefficiencies in your own system. Inefficiencies in your process, in in the fact that you may have a manual process instead of an automated process, in your supply chain, Mm -hmm. anything at the back end. So all of that needs getting optimized so that you can deliver consistently better experiences to your customers all throughout. Mm-hmm. So whether it is, you know, you're, you're giving them a, and the classic one is whether you're selling them a, a car or a, or a bike or a physical product, but then you've got to think about how, how does it get serviced? How does it get, you know, what's the ecosystem that exists if it stops working, if you want to buy accessories, you want to buy parts around it, the apps that work on it, that entire world that is built around your product, that world of that service, all of those together becomes that customer experience. Mm -hmm. So every touch point has opportunity for design. And similarly, within your organization, you have opportunity for design there. So for instance, we were working on a project related to the candidate experience, which is what is it like when someone applies to an organization and joins your team? And what's the journey they have inside your company? Mm-hmm. It's a design problem. It's a design problem. That has, uh, that's the people are actually working on solving that problem, redesigning that process, redesigning interfaces that make uh, applying for a job easier. Mm-hmm. Today, for instance, if you look at uh, how are the different ways in which you uh, fill in a form for a job application, whether you fill it in three times, you just upload your resume and it automatically captures all the key information. Does it let you know which stage of the interview you're in? There's so many areas that you can get better at. So yeah, it's... uh, Now tying this back to hiring, Mm. because otherwise... No, 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 please. No, no, no. (laughs) Tying it back to that. So like looking at this, you know, this requires a different set of design skills, right? Than typical software design does. So looking at design talent in India through this lens, right? From the lens of what would we need or demand from designers in say 10 years. And you've said this before, but do you still feel like the glasses are full that, you know, and you'd know because again, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming you're in touch with, you know, <laughs> the academic side of design as well. Yeah. Do you think we are on the right path? I don't see enough emphasis being put on uh, user-centric design, mm-hmm. on understanding the user. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of emphasis being put in a lot of places that teach design on the actual, the skills you need to execute a design, mm-hmm. which means, you know, you're learning Figma or whatever are the tools of executing software design. But really focusing on what problem you're trying to solve, I don't think we're doing that enough yet. And when I said uh, framing the problem and, and user-centric design, and I, I believe we don't do enough 
about analysis and synthesis mm-hmm. when we do when we are collecting research so being able to collect the research and understand our users truly what are their needs and from what we've observed through the research to be able to do a good synthesis of that information i have not seen that skill set sure. in i mean i've seen that in very few people and definitely not out of college sure. it's out, comes out of experience yeah mm. so basically i would agree with that like in terms of aspirations i see a lot of people who aspire to design killer you know customer uh, or as we say b2c products right mm-hmm. or they want to make the next viral app right <laughs> but i don't see a lot of aspiration towards you know solving these kind of problems yeah. right you know come and make my recruitment experience seven star or yeah. come and help my sales team mm. you know you know get to a tat of one hour instead of seven days on that process yeah. right so how have you seen aspirations change for designers over the years because this is just i yeah. think as you said earlier this is a moment in time mm. but that's a that's an interesting question i okay so i i wouldn't it would be inaccurate to say that uh, there has been no change but if i look back from 18 years ago the designers that i used to speak to there would be some designers there who truly felt the pain that the users were going through in whatever form mm-hmm. and they were you know really trying to change that and there were others who were like okay this is the problem space and uh, they were brilliant at creating the right quality of product to be shipped i think the same still holds true today uh what i would say right now is it's even more fragmented because there's so much of specialization that there's one team that's going and doing you know just the research and doing the analysis and synthesis and there's another team who's doing kind of this area and there's another team who's who's doing the design of the support so the challenge is act today is how do you bring all of them to start seeing the same picture or to see the same journey sure whereas 10 years ago one person would be doing all of that हाइपर स्पेशलाइजेशन हाँ मेरा एक वही म्यूजिक का ट्रैक वापस आएगा तो आई डोंट नो वेदर दिस विल फिट यचुरली समाओ आई सी दोनेक्टेड सो आई वॉज ट्राइंग टू लर्न फ्लूट एंड माई गुरु सेट दैट यार पहले ना बीस पच्चीस चालीस साल एंड ही कम्स फ्रॉम अ वेरी ट्रेडिशनल गुरु शिष्य परंपरा लाइक फर्स्ट थर्टी फोर्टी इयर्स यू जस्ट मास्टर द क्राफ्ट लाइक रात को दो बजे भी उठा के लाइक users positioning like a positive side of thing but yeah uh, i see the trend of uh, specializing mm. skills mm. Uh, but truly truly solving problems i think we are yeah. still in that zone of danda karna hai paisa banana hai and then yeah. hopefully we'll yeah have a shift in the perspective there's also a movement towards uh, point that caring about your users or finding that user problem is actually a good thing yeah it doesn't mean that uh, you're not uh, that you have to only look at where uh, money can be made i think 
there's more awareness now that if you focus on the user and you solve that problem, then money will follow. Mm. And I think that's kind of giving a little bit of uh, impetus to this because the experience is now becoming the differentiator to so many things. Not becoming, I mean, became, yeah, it is. Big, became. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I mean, do you have uh, anything? Because uh, I have like this last question. Actually, it's the second last question because she, <laughs> when then I spoke about uh, the money part. So we'll conclude there. But before that, you want to just? <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm good. I think I covered all my threads in between the other threads. Cool. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Vandana, this um, incentives uh, for designers. So, we spoke about aspirations. But um, on the other side, where we are hiring, we have to possibly give the right incentives, set the right culture in the ecosystem itself, mm-hmm. right? Design ecosystem of India. You have seen any pattern uh, of struggling to give the right incentives because of uh, the, the enterprise setup or or like a MNC setup? I mean, there are a set of people who just want to work for Microsoft, at least in Apple and like big corporations in general. Mm. And there are certain people who just want to, and designers, not people, just designers who want to make some quick mm. money in like next three to five years mm. working in a startup. You have seen any patterns or something or some observations? Let me just speak a little bit about the folk that we, or the environment we create in Atlassian. Because that's that's been kind of the last three years mm-hmm. uh, experience that I can speak to. We, talk, we talked about looking for people with attitude, aptitude, and kind of a values fit with the organization. So for the company, for Atlassian, we're very strongly values driven. So we believe that everybody who joins the company is actually, uh, once, once you're part of Atlassian, you, you're driven by the same values. You don't want to screw the customer. You're, you know, you're part of a team that's working together. You drive change that you believe in. So what happens when you bring in people belonging to the same value system is you have to look at incentives that look at the whole person. So it's not just the aspect of the compensation, but it's also things like giving them an opportunity to make a difference in the world. So you have uh, volunteering opportunities. So part of your benefits, if you call it that, is uh, five days of leave where you volunteer and and you give back to the association. You can be part of nonprofit organizations as part of what the company does. So the company has a very strong social charter that it invests in. We look at um, innovation where you want, you know, if if what's motivating you and what what drives you is is creating something new, is surfacing new value, then you have time that's available to you through the year to work on innovation projects. If it's going to be um, something related to, you know, your own um, flexibility of work, because we're talking about so many diverse people coming in from different backgrounds. Some have carer duties, some have young kids, some have older parents that they're looking at, some want to give some of their time, like we said, to charity. You want to work flexibly around that. We provide that option also. So we look at the whole individual and each person's motivations and what do they look for. So I think in a way, when you look at incentives in an organization, it's that awareness and understanding of what drives each individual and being able to provide that to them so that they're really inspired to keep working. 
on those problems. Interesting. You took a, a very different take on it. Yeah, I love yeah. it. <laughs> it's a yeah. It's a very three sixty degree take. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. Uh, all right. I think uh, we'll wrap uh, with one last question. I know, like, there's like, malab. I want to pick your brains more with like a lot more nuanced questions. <laughs> but okay, we'll we'll the the theme is since uh, hiring, we'll focus on that. Uh, you you want to give out any message to young designers uh, based on your observations uh, regarding maturity, regarding mm. wider exposure to design. Because these days, uh, mm. there are a lot of self-taught designers also. In fact, me and Abhinit are self-taught, not from a design school. Yeah. And personally, uh, what whoever I have hired uh, from like non-design background, uh, they are more hungry to solve problems in the recent time, right? So mm. not, not generalizing, but I have I've seen some okay. personal patterns as well. Yeah. So yeah, like with your rich experience, if you want to just give some tips for young designers or yeah. even senior designers. Yeah, sure. Um, I think what, what I found invaluable and, and it would have been really helpful to have known this when I was starting out is for you as a designer, you have to understand that context within which you're designing. It isn't that problem you're given. You have to get broader to understand the market. You have to understand what are the business factors? What are the people factors? What are the social factors around that problem space where you're designing? If you don't, your design will not be successful. I will be very clear. You have to understand that. The second is there are two timeframes that your design has to work in. You have to optimize what's happening right now because when you're starting, when you're doing your design, something already exists. So optimize for whatever people are doing right now. They're already in pain. Make it better right now. And you design for the future, but don't do only one. Don't only design for the future and leave your current customer hanging. That is just so unfair to the business, to those people who already, you know, bought your brand for doing something. So optimize for the present design for the future. And then I've said like, know your users, go out, meet them, live those experiences, you know, try, try everything. If if you don't get to understand the breadth of experiences that exist, how can you design for the different kinds of people who are going to be using your products? You have got to know your users. Yeah. And probably the last one is I think you start getting used to being uncomfortable, being uncomfortable with, you know, different challenges that will come to you with other perspectives, uh, work with other designers. I think this is one thing that may have changed. In my time, people worked very individually. I mean, you know, 20 years ago, each designer was an island. Mm. But today I see, you know, and I'm really thrilled to see such a lot of collaboration. Uh, designers work much more closely together. They're much more comfortable sharing their ideas. And I think that's a really positive trait. So. If you're a young designer who's doing that, great. Continue it. If you're, no, this is my work and my work is good. Uh, I think you better start being a little uncomfortable with getting more views because it doesn't matter if it's if your work is good or not. It has to be whether that's better for your users and for your business. So, yeah. yeah. Great, great. In fact, Abhinit talks about comfortable with ambiguity a lot. Yeah. Yeah, like that's <laughs> that's my number one thing to look for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, you spoke about context, na? La, know the user's context. I think uh, I would like to end with one quote uh, by, I don't know how to pronounce uh, his name, Eliel Serenin, uh, and which I've, I've been using in my 
bits and pieces here and there, which is always design a thing by uh, considering it in the next larger context. So like a room, a chair in a room, a room in a house, a house in an environment, an environment in a city plan and so on and so forth. Yeah. So it gives okay. like a much more wider perspective. That's lovely. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Vandana, for giving your time. It was real uh, pleasure and honor talking to you. And uh, thank you for sharing such brilliant insights. Thanks for listening till the end. Currently, I'm heading the design at Jupiter.money and we are hiring at all levels. Visit Jupiter.money slash careers. You can follow Audiogan on Instagram at Audiogan Moments and visit Audiogan.com for more Gan sessions. Uh, you guys want to plug anything? Is Atlassian hiring? I'm sure Abhinit yeah. will have like a fumbled one, but yeah. <laughs> we are constantly hiring. So we've got positions open all the time. Uh, Atlassian.com slash careers head to the India site. But now that we've got more work flexible, you can look at uh, positions available in other geographies, uh, which you could do from, from India if the time zones overlap. Abhinit? Yeah, I design at Gojek and Gojek is also hiring. Um, you can check out all the openings at Gojek Design on Twitter. Uh, if there's, if we keep posting stuff there and some other interesting stuff. Cool. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, yes, bye. And that's it from today's Gyan session. For show notes and more Gyan, visit audiogan.com. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to check our other interesting podcast on IVM Network. You can listen to us on IVM Podcast app ivmpodcast.com or any of your favorite podcasting apps. To stay tuned, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ivmpodcast. And if you wish to connect with me, I'm at Moments on Instagram. Until then, take care.